0: My message today is called Praying for Fruit. No, this is not a trilogy of the rainy with the chance of meatballs or cloud with the chance of meatballs where fruit's going to come from the sky. But there are times when we pray for fruit, and I want to talk about that today. Matthew 6, verse 8, says this, For your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. See, God knows what we need before we ask. And I would tell you that that's a very good thing. Because more often than not, we ask for what we want instead of what we need. So God, in His infinite wisdom, gives us what we need instead of what we want. But because we lack discernment, which means we don't understand what God is doing all that time, and sometimes we're too impatient to go to God or to go to His Word to see what He's trying to do. We often think that God is not answering our prayers. After all, I asked for this, and you gave me this. You see, without faith, without us pressing into His Word, this leads many times to frustration and doubt and often despair. These are all attacks and lies from the enemy because the enemy thinks that if he can change our focus to something that brings fear instead of faith, then he can begin to build momentum in his attempts to destroy the works of God. Of course, the enemy, as you know, has a long track record of diverting our attention and tempting us to doubt the truth of God's Word and His will. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent, who was the devil, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You see, from the devil's opening line in the Bible, we see him trying to get Eve focused on a different meaning and a different assumption than what God had already clearly instructed Adam. In one slimy move, the devil called God a liar and tempted Eve to not base her understanding on God's spiritual truth, but rather on deceptive logic that made much more sense to a human, much more sense to Adam and Eve, and was also much more pleasing to their human desires. Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. You see, the first mistake that the woman makes is to have a conversation with the serpent instead of just walking away and immediately closing the door of temptation. the same mistake that we have when we start to consider temptation instead of walking away at its first sight. Genesis 3, verse 3. She continues, "...but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden... God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. There's one truth from this age-old story that most people miss. I know you've heard the story many, many, many times, but I would bet there's one truth that most people miss. The truth is that Satan will always try to redefine the meaning and purpose about fruit sent from God. We're going to discuss this a little bit later, but take note here how the devil misrepresents and mischaracterizes the fruit in the garden. Genesis 3.4 Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Eve didn't have to explain herself. She didn't have to engage in this conversation with the serpent. But she did. Why? Why? It's the same reason why we don't run from sin when it first becomes a temptation to us. It's the same reason why we let the devil into our thoughts and begin trying to reason with our own logic and with our own feelings instead of simply trusting God at His Word and obeying Him. End of story. Period. It's because something in us desires something more than what we think that we don't have. This sinful flesh inside of us craves something more. It wants more control of our current situation. It wants us to feel safer and more confident knowing that if we just had more knowledge of a situation, we'd be more safer rather than trusting by faith. Thus, Eve entertained Satan's thoughts. And as they filtered into her logic... She took the bait, the hook, the line, and the sinker. She believed the enemy's interpretation of the fruit, and she ate. She gave some to Adam as well, and he ate as well. We know the rest of the story. Sin came into the world, giving all of us a sinful nature inherited on down the line, separating all of us eternally from God. And the only way back into His presence is through the blood of Jesus. But even though Jesus has come into this world, laid down His life as a perfect sacrifice for all of us, for our sins, and He invites us to repent and to come back to Him to be saved and to be made whole, we are still today being duped into Satan's mischaracterization of God's fruit. So let's move on to a very important truth in the New Testament that talks about fruit. Galatians five verses twenty two and twenty three says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. In the context of our study, we pray for this fruit all the time. We pray for more love and more joy and more peace. We pray that we will have more patience, that we'll be able to respond in goodness and be more faithful in all we do. We pray to be gentle, especially in very difficult and trying situations, especially when truth needs to be shared. And we all pray for greater self-control, to respond with grace, to not give in to temptation, and to follow Jesus every day of our lives. We all pray for this fruit, which the word tells us is the fruit of the spirit, meaning if we are completely devoted to Christ, if we yield ourselves, we've yielded ourselves to Him, and we've asked God to live through us and we can expect to bear this fruit in our lives. However, even though we pray for this fruit, most of the time we are not ready to receive it when God sends it our way in His attempt to answer our prayers. Why is that? Well, it comes back to our first Scripture passage we talked about this morning, Matthew 6, 8. Remember again. Your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. I know what some of you are thinking. If God knows what we need before we ask, then why do we need to ask? Can't He just give us what we need? That is exactly what He does all the time. But we don't recognize it. Because we are looking for what we want instead of what we need. We ask according to His will and according to His word so that we know what He's attempting to give us. But when our requests are not according to His will, we get confused. Let me explain it this way. You've all heard in the news throughout the year how there's been this incredible drought in the West and reservoirs and lakes are all drying up. They experienced one of the most severe droughts in hundreds of years. They need water to fill up their lakes and their reservoirs and their aquifers and their groundwater supplies wherever possible. At one point, the western states tried to find an answer to the solution. They figured if they could divert water from the Mississippi River, that would help their problem because there's so much river water flowing through there. They could build aqueducts and channels and bring all that water to the West to fill up their, all of their needs. Well, this plan did not go over well, and so it did not happen. Still, residents of California and Nevada and other states out in the West prayed for an answer for their lakes drying up. God, if we lose water, we lose everything. Reservoirs drying up, lakes down to almost nothing. What did God do? He caused it to rain in abundance on many different occasions. But many of the people in the state governments were too busy arguing and blaming others and you can't take water out of the rivers and you don't have the rights. They couldn't see that God was actually sending them what they need. As a result, a record amount of fresh water came to them from above. And it channeled, most of it channeled its way back out into the ocean without their ability and their planning to properly capture the water. Now some began to learn their lesson much later in the season, but not until a lot of that answer was wasted and squandered back out into the ocean. The point I'm trying to make is that even though God intended to bring them what they needed They didn't recognize God's faithfulness because the enemy had caused them to fight with one another. The enemy brought division and pride and judgment and blame and ignorance that led them to not recognize the fruit that God was bringing to them. But these examples go far beyond the political realm. We see examples of the Bible of misunderstood fruit as well. Maybe you recall the time when Jesus told His disciples, to go on ahead of him and cross the Sea of Galilee by boat while he went up on a mountain to pray. And in the middle of the sea during the night, the disciples found themselves caught in turbulent seas, a storm. They needed help. They were fearful. They needed Jesus. And Jesus knew that they needed him, so he came out to them walking on the water. And how did they respond? Matthew 14.26 When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. You see, God gave them exactly what they needed, but they didn't recognize it. Jesus came directly to them, but all they saw was fear and doubt. Jesus brings them the gift of peace and faith but they weren't ready to receive it because they had bought into a lie from the enemy to fear what they didn't understand. Yes, God knows what we need before we even ask. But the reason we ask and the reason we learn how to ask is to know that God is moving on our behalf. And yet again, there are plenty of examples to go around even for today for all of us. If you ask for the fruit of faith, what do you think that God's going to give you? And how do you think that God will deliver this fruit to you? Do you really think that you're just going to wake up one day with a note on your pillow that says, ta-da, you have been given more faith. Enjoy your new fruit today while you go out and move mountains by faith. Of course not. Because that is what you want not the fruit that you need. You see, when you pray to God to ask Him to give you the fruit of faith, when God delivers this fruit, He allows great trials to come into your life. Difficult circumstances that can't be overcome by your abilities or your logic. The only way that you can get through these challenges is by exercising the God-given faith that God gives you when you recognize the fruit of the Spirit that's being offered to you. Anybody ever been there before? I would think we all have, right? When you exercise your faith, you understand that it's not by might nor by power, but by His spirit, says the Lord. Working in your life as you learn to trust Him and use the faith that He gives, delivers to you. This is how God answers your prayer when you pray for the fruit of faith. But you see, if you don't know what you need, then you're going to rebuke it and reject it and say, the enemy's coming at me and causing all this, and you're going to feel, God, why aren't you helping me? He's going to say, I'm trying to give you faith. It's the enemy trying to divert your focus and telling you that the fruit is means something else. How about when you pray for patience? You ever do that? That's a dangerous prayer. God, give me more patience. Do you think that God magically puts a crown on your head that says King of Patience? Or Queen Patience? Absolutely not. More than likely, God will allow you to undergo great injustices and experience days when nothing seems to go right. Ever been there? And of course, since other people know you're a Christian, all eyes will be on you to see if your walk matches your talk. You will be tempted by the enemy to reject this first and then to seek discernment later. But when you recognize these trials are divine fruit that God is allowing you to endure, you will accept each opportunity willingly from God's hand. You will begin to exercise the fruit of patience and demonstrate to others that the only way that you can get through these situations is by patience and long-suffering. And it's only accessible through an authentic relationship with Jesus. And how about, like every one of us, you dare to ask God for more self-control? Do you just wake up with a cape and a big S on your chest standing for self-control? Of course not. God allows you to not only be tempted in your weakness, but He does so in the presence of others to see if you truly believe that He is your strength and your strong tower. And when you understand that this temptation, which may have dominated you many times in the past, a stronghold that you continue to be beat up against, is just God's way of delivering the fruit of self-control to you so that you can stand against any attack from the enemy with the full power and authority of Jesus and His Word, then you fully receive the fruit of self-control. What about when you're tired and you're beat down by life? And you ask God for a little more joy. God, I've had it hard. I've all these attacks and I've had. The, I've mourned this and this one, God. God, if could you just give me the gift? Just give me the fruit of joy. Do you think you just wake up with the giggles and can't stop laughing? No. That's not how God delivers this fruit. In fact, you can expect that God will allow something to come into your life that seeks to rob the last ounce of joy you have in your reserve tank. It will test you to the core. How will you respond? I suggest that we learn from the apostle Paul when he was sent a thorn in the flesh. He asked God, he pleaded with God three times to remove this that was taking away all his joy so that he could just get on with the calling that God had on his life. And then he got a revelation from God. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He said to me, Paul speaking, God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, the only way to get perfect strength is to admit weakness. Paul understood the key to this fruit of the Spirit. He realized that with each gift of fruit, God allows weakness and infirmity. He doesn't cause it, but He allows it. He allows injustice and rejection to be our daily companions. Yet if we are able to come to the end of ourselves to admit weakness, admit we can't do it all, admit we don't understand it all, so that we can receive God's grace in each situation, then we take hold of the fruit and allow it to permeate all of our actions and all of our reactions so that we can lead with Christ in all our situations. You know what it's like when you're tired and beat down you have nothing else to give and someone steps on that last nerve? No matter how great you are, it's impossible to always act in a godly way. But these fruits of the Spirit are supernaturally go through us and and emanate from us because we can't explain it. How God can allow us to be graceful in a time when we have no grace left. How God can, can allow us to be loving when we have nothing left. God does it supernaturally. It's the fruit of the Spirit working in us. Speaking about that, what about love? What happens when you ask for more of God's love in your life? How do you think God brings this fruit to you? You probably already know the answer because surely it has happened to you or maybe it's happening to you right now. In His infinite wisdom, God brings someone into your life who is very difficult to love. Ever happened to you? This someone may be incredibly selfish may be incredibly offensive and incredibly opinionated. It would be so easy to avoid this person, to write them off as an annoyance. Someone who's not worth the time and the effort because they're just draining you and they're pulling out of you. But is that really how God wants you to see this? that this person, who this person is, if especially when you are in the process of asking for more love we have to believe by faith that if god allows something into our lives or god allows someone into our lives that he also equips us in supernatural ways to address each challenge only through his perfect love can we love someone's soul even though they may not, we may not enjoy their actions But loving someone enough to pray for them, to forgive them, to be Jesus to them, and to encourage them to follow Jesus with you, that's a gift of love in its purest form. And it is this gift of love that the world out there cannot process. It just doesn't make sense. There will, peop- there will be people that rally to your cause and they want to commiserate with you and they want to be mad with you at someone else. I know you know what I'm talking about. People want, want to take up your offense and be mad at someone else. You have every right to be mad and they want to do that with you. So when you respond by giving God's grace and His love and His forgiveness and His joy and His peace, they can't wrap their heads around it. It doesn't make sense which means they they realize this must be God. You have every right to reject that person and you love them instead. That must be God. People that come into your life that are difficult to love, that challenge you, they often expect to be rejected by you. They expect to be let down. They expect to be ignored. This is why the fruit of God's love is so Pure. Our only job is to recognize when God has given us the fruit of love to share with others. And when we do, it is powerful. It is life-changing and it leads people to Christ. You see, in order to walk in faith, in patience, in self-control, and joy, and in love, there needs to be a contrast to see it in effect. The greatest way to recognize the fruit of the Spirit that God is developing by His hand is to see it against the world's backdrop. We pray. God gives an answer. And then He allows a contrast to develop. Certainly no greater contrast was ever given than when His people cried out to be rescued from their greatest enemy. Of course, they thought their greatest enemy was the Romans. And they were expecting that God would deliver them from their hands. But God gave them a gift. The perfect gift of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. God rained His fruit down from heaven by sending Jesus to the world. And those who let the enemy convince them that Jesus was taking away their power and their influence and their authority, they rejected the greatest fruit ever given. You know, even today, there are still millions of people who reject the fruit of God's love today. They buy into the the lie from the enemy that God is not real. Many believe that if God was truly a God of love, He wouldn't allow evil or tragedy or sin or death or sadness to occur, not realizing that God gave everyone the gift of free will to choose the fruit that they want to receive for themselves. The reason there is sin and darkness, sickness and pain in the world, it's because people have chosen the fruit of the world. And just like Adam and Eve, all choices have consequences for others besides just ourselves. But because of God's grace, He also births seeds of fruit in the hearts of all who lay down their agendas and come to Jesus for His living water. He is the light in the darkness. He is the contrast that we can see if we truly are looking. He is the answer to our prayers when we pray for fruit. Jesus came to this world not to take away the Romans or some other group of people. Jesus came to this world to take away our sins. That is what we all needed to be forgiven of our sins. And the only way that He could do that was to give His life as a ransom for others. To rescue us from the One who had deceived us into believing His lies and His misrepresentations. John twelve twenty four. Jesus said this, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Much fruit. Jesus gave His life as a sacrifice being planted into our despair that He might bear fruit for ages to come. If you've received that gift of Jesus, you are part of that fruit, part of that harvest because He planted His life into our despair. You see, the devil thought he had won by delivering Christ to the cross. But by the power of God and the love of Christ, Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave and has overcome the world. By accepting His sacrifice, we join Him in life forevermore. And by choosing to yield to the Holy Spirit in our daily walk with Him, we allow the fruit of the Spirit to come forth in all that we do. We don't have to be perfect because He is. We just have to come and receive the fruit of His love. Therefore, when we pray for fruit, let us all be ready to receive from God's bountiful harvest that the world may know the gift of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the revelation of who You are and what You are trying to give us right now. God, forgive us for not trusting You. Forgive us for leaning on our own logic. Forgive us for expecting You to work on our agenda and our time schedule. Lord God, right now we surrender our hearts to You. We ask You to forgive us as we give our lives to You. May Your fruit be evident in all we do. May we know the love that was given at the cross. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your gracious presence. We thank You for speaking truth to our hearts. Lord God, we ask You to forgive us for trying to put You on our time schedule or You when when we're ready to come to You. The call is now, wherever You are, to come to Jesus, to get closer to Him. He's ready to receive You. Heavenly Father, pour Your love into us Cause us to become more like Jesus. Help us to receive the fruit that you're given to us and to share it with this world of darkness that we can be your light. We thank you for this time in your presence. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.